Welcome to the Central Live Podcast with Pastor Jim Caldwell. At Central Baptist Church in Phoenix City, Alabama, it's our mission to make disciples who make disciples. Let's join Pastor Jim as he shares today's message. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, man. Art, love it. Good deal. Well, it's a, it's a great day. Man, what a, what a beautiful, warm day. Just to let you know, it's, it'll be like this for about four more months. And so uh, might as well not complain. It's going to be good. It's all good. Uh, looking forward to sharing this message today because part of it is straight out of the Word of God, and part of it is straight from my heart and from my life, and uh, looking forward to, to getting to share a little bit of my testimony. Uh, I was looking online here a minute ago. It looks like we've got quite a few people. Uh, hey, if you're watching, if you'll give a thumbs up or something right now so I can tell you're on there, that'd be awesome. Uh, I want to see who all's on here. All right, there's a couple. All right. Well, I'm talking about being the church during difficult days, and you think that fits right now? <laughs> We're the church, right? It's not this building. It's the people. It's the people that are here, the people that are online. It's the people who call Jesus their Lord and Savior, and that he's in control of their lives. We're the church, and, you know, this is not God's plan B. I've said that so many times. This is not his plan B. God knows exactly what's going on. He hasn't dropped you. He hasn't dropped your family. He hasn't dropped the world. He, he hasn't lost his mind or anything like that. Uh, he's still just who he needs to be, and he's unchanging, and he, he's a good, good father. And for those of us that know him, uh, we have this opportunity of being the church through a really difficult time. And so uh, I, I want us to look at a story of a Christian martyr today. And his name was Stephen. And if you want to go ahead and start turning there, it's Acts chapter 6. I will have it up on the screen for you here in a minute. But uh, I, I want to talk about Stephen. And uh, last week we talked about deacons. And Stephen was one of the original deacons. Uh, and his story is really, really important. In fact, the end of his earthly life shows just a great faith in Jesus Christ. And he's a real example for us to follow today. Look on at verse uh, 8 with me, chapter 6. It says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Sicilia and Asia rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly induced him to, men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So Stephen's doing all this stuff. He's doing it in God's power. And uh, some people don't like for people to be smarter than them. Does that hit anybody? Some people don't like for people to be smarter than they are. And, and I tell you what, there was this group of folks that decided they didn't like what he was saying, 
and they were going to slander him, do whatever it took to get him gone, to get him out of the picture. And the, every time, it sounds, it sounds like that every time he would say something, that they were just looking for something to be wrong with him. You ever seen people like that, that are just looking for something to be wrong, waiting on something to be wrong? So they figured out at this point that they couldn't really argue with him because he, he, what he was saying, it was wisdom from above. It was God's wisdom. It wasn't that he was really smarter. It was just that he knew God. He had a relationship with him. And so they figured they wouldn't argue with him. They would just discredit him. Pretty sneaky, huh? They just discredited him. And just like Stephen was being persecuted, uh, let me tell you, we will be persecuted. As believers, we will be persecuted when we follow God, y'all. It's going to happen. You, you, you can't help it. And, you know, we've been so blessed in this country to not really have much persecution, but it's getting worse. If y'all listen to the news, y'all heard things? Uh, yeah, it's getting worse. Even in our country, it's getting worse. You will be persecuted when you follow God. That's just, that's part of what will happen. Acts 7-1 says this. So they, they actually, they took Stephen before his accusers, okay? And, and the high priest said to him, are these things so? So the high priest is asking Stephen, saying, okay, is what they're saying about you true? Well, Stephen goes on for 50 verses, okay, explaining his case. He basically goes to the Old Testament and just shares how it comes to Jesus Christ, all the way through the Old Testament to Jesus Christ. 50 verses. And then, you know, Stephen knew, okay? Stephen knew at this point, he probably, after about verse 50, could have just stopped and went, hmm, see, that's the truth. But he didn't stop. He goes to verse 51. Here's what it says. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit, you're doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. All right, now, these people have a little bit of power over him. But what did he do? He stood up, and he boldly, he called them out. He just laid it on the line. Sometimes, y'all, sometimes it's time for diplomacy, and sometimes it's time just to say it like it is. And this time for Stephen was a time to say it like it is. He told them, what was going on. Stephen's words came straight from the Holy Spirit living inside of him. He just let it rip, didn't he? He let it rip. Look at verse 54. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. All right. So, I'm not real familiar at gnashing teeth, I don't know. What does that look like? But, but this is what I know. They were mad, y'all. They were upset. They were ticked off to the point of they wanted to do something about it. 
even though Stephen had shared the truth, they were not happy campers. Have you ever had somebody share truth with you and it make you angry? See, I know this happens in our household sometimes. Sometimes it happens with me, sometimes with the kids. Occasionally it's with Susan, but not very often. But uh, what happens is we'll, we'll get into a situation. Something will be going on. And I'll, I'll use us as parents. That's probably, I like that better because it's not against me this time. Uh, we, we'll, we'll share truth with our kids. The truth of what we see is going on, of, you know, the wisdom of, uh, out of our lives of what's been happening. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll share that truth. We will share that truth. And I've seen it so many times. The kids sometimes, they get angry. The first response is putting up a wall and getting angry. Y'all get that? Everybody understand that? Have you ever seen that? Has it ever happened in your house? Uh, I don't think I'm the only one. Okay. So, so you share the truth and they get mad. Well, that's what happened with these folks. They got the truth laid on them and, and they were convicted by it, and, but they didn't handle it well. They didn't handle it well at all. In fact, in verse 55, it says this, but being full of the Holy Spirit, talking about Stephen, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named who? Somebody say it out loud. Thank you very much. Saul, they, they laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. See, as the story continues, they stoned Stephen until he was dead. He died right there. But, but look at verse 58 again. Who was there? It was Saul was there. Y'all know who Saul is. Who did he become? Saul became Paul, right? He had an encounter with Jesus. His life changed forever. Uh, was Saul happy about Stephen's stoning? Well, here it comes. Let's look. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 tells all we need to hear. It says, Saul, the first part of verse 1 says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. What do you think hearty agreement means? It means he was cheering them on, right? All right. Yes, do it. Now, he wasn't, it doesn't sound like he was actually doing the stoning, but he was definitely excited about Stephen's death because Saul thought he was doing the will of God. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was doing what he was supposed to do. And then right after this, the second part of verse 1 there says, and on that day a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Hey, do y'all know what happens when, uh, in the early church when people ended up scattering? Do y'all know what happened? 
Wherever they scattered to, people came to know Jesus. It ended up being the expansion of the church happened because of bad stuff like this. Isn't that something? See, Saul was just this huge proponent of persecuting Christians, of killing them, putting them in prison, everything. Verse 3, Acts 8.3 says, But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house to house, dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. See, Saul's goal in life, at this point of his life, it was to get rid of Christianity, to stomp it out. He saw it as an evil thing to be gotten rid of. See, Saul had an encounter, though, a couple of chapters later. An encounter with Jesus that changed his life forever. So this man who started out as this cheering on the killing of Christians, persecuting, throwing Christians in prison, trying to wipe out Christianity, becomes the same guy who wrote about two-thirds of our New Testament. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. See, that's why I titled today's message, Your Past Doesn't Have to Be Your Future. Your past doesn't have to be your future. You get that? The way it was in the past or the way it is right now, it doesn't have to be like that anymore. It doesn't have to stay like that anymore. See, I, I, uh, I can relate to Saul's story. Saul becoming Paul. He had this encounter on the road to Damascus. You know, I, I, was, I was just dead in my sin. I was... I was just messed up, involved in drugs and alcohol. I was just not headed down the right track. And I had been in jail. I had, I had done everything to my parents bad that you can think of, lying, cheating, taking money. I, I mean, I was not a good person. Jesus is good, though. Jesus is always good. And see, I'll never forget that morning that I cried out to him. And I, I knew I had known all the facts for most of my life. Most, from the time I was a little kid, I knew all the facts about Jesus. I knew that he had, he had come to earth, was a baby in a manger. I knew he had started out. I knew, I knew that he had lived a sinless life. I, and I believed it. I believed all those facts in my head. I, I knew that. I knew he had lived a sinless life. I knew that he had died on a cross for the sins of the world. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, right? That's, that's everybody. He loved everybody enough to come and die for them. But you know what? I, I knew all the facts. I knew the fact that he had been raised up from the dead, that he had been resurrected from the dead, that Jesus... It was physically, bodily resurrected and that he arose and went to heaven. Do y'all know all those facts already? If you know all those facts, say amen. See, amen. I knew all the facts. I had all of it up here. In fact, I would have told you I was saved, but I didn't have a relationship with God. I was dead in my sin. I knew all the right stuff. And you know, the way I used to be taught the way I used to be taught was if I did the right stuff, if I acted right, I was a good Christian. But that, that's not 
That's not God's deal. That's man's deal. That's called religion. See, God's deal is that you believe what he said, and then you receive Jesus. John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who call on his name. So if you call and you receive him. Now, it looks different for different people. I'll tell you, everybody's salvation story is different. You know, I, I know my wife, Susan, man, she was just a good little girl and heard the gospel and responded to it and has been saved ever since. And you know what? I... I when I was little, I heard the gospel, I prayed a prayer, I got dunked in water, and I wasn't saved. And I didn't realize it until much later that I was not saved. I did not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I had just gotten wet. And God can't come into a life without changing it. I don't care if you're 9 or 90. When God comes into your life, you get changed. You get changed. You, you can't stay the same. You, you, it's no longer normal to live in sin. It's no longer normal to live on your out of your own power and your own will. It's not normal. What's normal when you receive Jesus is to live out of His Spirit. So that morning I cried out, I finally had gotten to the point in my life where I figured out I couldn't do it on my own. Because I tried being religious. I tried doing all the right stuff. I tried. I tried. I tried to quit drugs. I tried to quit alcohol. I couldn't do it. You know, it's funny. That's exactly what Jesus was waiting for. For me to come to him and say, I'm out of power. I can't do it. I cannot do it. Jesus, this was, this was my prayer. Jesus, if you're real, come into my life and change me from the inside out because I can't do it. And I knew that if he, if he couldn't do it, it, it was, it was going to be over for me. I, I, was, I was done. I wasn't long for this world. My lifestyle, I was going to end up dead somewhere in a ditch or something. So that morning... I cried out to God. And can I tell you, I, I, there wasn't, it wasn't like Saul to Paul where he had the light and the scales fall off the eyes and all that. It, it wasn't that dramatic for me. But what it was, was I knew something had happened in me. I knew I was different. My desires changed. My heart was changing. Was God was molding me. He now had someone to mold because when, when you ask Jesus to come in, when you receive Jesus, as John 1.12 says, when you receive him, he, he comes in and he does the changing. See, one of the things I had always done is I tried to change. I tried to initiate all the change. It, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, you know, when I stop doing all this stuff, I'm going to come to church with you. I'm going to come, I'll come when I, you know, when I get past this in my life or through that, or there's always this next moment. That's what God's there for. He's there to get us through. He's there to empower us. He's there to, 
to change us from the inside out. But you got to be changed. You got to be changed. You can't be the same. I want to tell you, I, I, I struggled uh, with some sins of the past, some different things for, for a long time. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Alcohol and drugs, for the most part, uh, was gone. It was gone. But sanctification is a process. Growing in the Lord is a process. You don't just come to Jesus and you're like fixed, totally fixed. In fact, if any of y'all are like fixed totally, let me know because I want to find out what you did. Because y'all, we're all broken. We've all got problems, situations, things going on in our lives. We all need Jesus every minute, every second to, to empower us, to show us the way. And, and he's so good, he did that for me. Now, I will tell you, I've had some instances in my life since I've been married even that uh, I, I had a problem with, uh, with drugs that were given to me by a doctor and had to do something. See, Satan keeps attacking the old stuff. He just, he keeps going back to the well anywhere he can to try to find a spot to get into your life. Now, we've dealt with it, and we're way past that, and that was, that was, you know, a little while, a while back. But here's the thing. God is good. He empowers his kids. He shows us how to live, and he wants to live through each and every one of us. And so it's not about keeping rules and regulations. See, that's what I was taught when I was growing up. It's about being a good Christian. No, no. It's about, it's about being in a good relationship with God because when you're in that relationship, when you're living out of that relationship, you don't sin. Your sin, sin is so unnatural to you. Sin is not normal for the believer. It's not supposed to be normal. You know, we may all sit here and say, but I still sin, and that's true. But you know what? We don't have to. We don't have to sin anymore. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We don't have to live like that. If you have sin in your life and you don't care anymore, you're just like, oh, that's me. Man, I, I just encourage you, check your relationship with God. Because it's not supposed to be like that. It's never supposed to be like that. When God comes into a life, he changes you. Listen, I was, I was down yesterday. In fact, me and Jeremy, we were down uh, at, at, at homeless ministry yesterday. And we got to talk to a lady. Her name was Nina. And I uh, want to encourage you to pray. Pray for Nina. Uh, Nina had some biblical knowledge but was really the thing that hung her up, I think, the most, tell me if I'm wrong, was, was that you could possibly be forgiven forever. That, that, that the forgiveness is once for all. It is Jesus' sacrificial death is a one-time sacrifice. And we went round and round for a while, and 
she, she was really sweet, and we're going to have some more conversations when we go back out there next month. Jesus died for, for your sins and mine. And he didn't just die for the sins that you've committed in the past. He died for all your sins. And when you receive him, you receive forgiveness from every sin. Now, that's why Paul in the book of Romans wrote, shall we continue to sin now that we're under grace? And what was his answer? Did anybody remember? God forbid, of course not, exclamation point. Of course not, you're not supposed to live like that. When you have Jesus and you have that forgiveness, that should empower you to live the life where you don't sit in your sin and wallow. We don't have to live like that anymore. But it takes being changed. Have you been changed? Because that's what it all comes down to. Have you been changed? See, the change in your life may not be as dramatic as it was from Saul to Paul. It may not be as dramatic as it was uh, from me dead, my sin, to, to me alive in Christ. But, but you have to have had that moment in your life that you went from death to life. You, you're, you're not a believer. You're not a follower of Christ. You're not a Christian. If you've never had that moment of going from death to life, of knowing the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And I, I just I want to encourage all of us to go back in our minds, all of us that are believers, go back in our minds to that day or that time or that moment that you went from death to life. Remember what that was like. Because that kind of excitement is the way that we ought to be living each and every day each and every day, out of, out of knowing who He is and what He's done for us. So I ask the question one more time, have you been changed? As the band comes right now, we're going to pray in just a minute. Do you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Because, see, that's... That's the only thing that's going to matter in the end. It's the only thing that's really of any importance in this life, of any magnitude. It's the one big thing. Do you have a relationship with God through Jesus? Have you been changed? And see, we're, we're going to put up phone numbers to call, all that kind of stuff, but... I just want to encourage you today. If you have been changed, it's time to celebrate, y'all. It's time to live out of that life and not out. We don't have to live out of our old self anymore. God loves you, has a plan for you. Listen, I'm going to ask everybody to stand that's in the room. If you're at home, we're going to give you numbers to text to and all that kind of stuff. You need, need more help, you need prayer, you need information. I'm going to be down front after this prayer if you'd like to talk. Um, I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. Let's pray together right now. Oh, Father. Thank you for changing me. And Lord, thank you for changing so many 
of the folks in this room. And Lord, so many of the folks that are, are listening right now and watching. But God, I pray if there's anyone here who, who doesn't know you, anyone that's within the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, God, that today would be the day that they receive you and become a child of God. So Lord, I, I, I thank you that you're at work and we bring you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Central Live podcast. If you'd like more information, visit our website at centrallive.org.